Trigger warning. This episode discusses mental health challenges that may be sensitive for people who struggle with mental health. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or feelings, please know that help is available for you. You can call the National Suicide Hotline at 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. We will also have additional resources for you in our show notes. Thank you. Welcome to Black Girl Voices, a podcast created to cultivate change through conversation, community, and education while centering, uplifting, and amplifying the voices of Black women, girls, and femmes. Here we will talk about everything from trending topics to Black history to our own personal experiences as Black women. It's like a coffee chat with your best girlfriends. We will laugh, cry, keep it real, and most importantly, get uncomfortable. We are your hosts, Siobhan Montgomery Haynes and Caroline J. Sumlin. Come on in, girl. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome back to the Black Girl Voices podcast. My name is Caroline J. Sumlin. And I'm Siobhan Montgomery Haynes. And um, we are coming at you guys today with um, a little bit of a heavy episode. If you heard the trigger warning um, before the music came in, um, if you didn't, I would just advise you this is your moment to tap out if you need to. We're going to be discussing um, suicide today. So I just wanted to say that one more time before we got started. Um, And kind of before we dive in, I thought it was really important that we discuss some statistics around mental health, suicide, Black women, Black girls, because we know that, you know, Black women were once Black girls. So I think it's very important to make sure that we touch on um, the mental health of young Black girls as well. Um, And so we have actually already written a post on our page kind of talking about um, some very grim statistics around young black girls, but I'm going to touch on those a little bit, tie them in some with some statistics, and then we're going to dive in. So you guys bear with me. Um, black girls are over five times more likely to be suspended from school than their white girl peers. One in four black girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18. One in four Black children have experienced food insecurity since the start of the pandemic. Black girls make up 32% of the detained or committed juvenile girls. Black girls living in poverty receive mental health treatment at less than one-third the rate of young white girls living in poverty. Black children ages 5 through 12 are nearly two times more likely to commit suicide than white children of similar ages. And Black girls make up over 40% of domestic sex trafficking victims in the U.S. And so just to kind of tie those into some academic articles, um, you know, that I was researching before we sat down for this podcast, um, it was the University of Georgetown who said, quote, a convincing body of evidence shows that when children are exposed to adverse childhood experiences, you know, as in some of what I just named, 
the death or incarceration of a parent, observing or being victim of violence or living with someone with a significant mental health or substance abuse problem. It produces toxic stress, which can have lasting impacts on mental and physical health well into adulthood. Um, you know, and that's hence black girls growing up into black women and, and having that trauma that they have yet to address. Um, another thing I thought was important to note is that over the last 20 years, suicide rates have decreased for young white children, but increased significantly for young black children. Um, a couple more statistics we're going to go into before we dive in from the University of Texas. It says prior research has found that black women not only experience higher rates of depression, but are also less likely to seek treatment for depression symptoms than the general population. This is due to barriers like stigma, community disapproval, disbelief in receiving treatment from the dominant healthcare system, and disapproval of psychotropic medications prevent the professional treatment of depressive um, disorders. Um, and that was from the University of Texas. And uh, we'll link some more things in the show notes and more articles and things where, where you guys can kind of dive in for yourself. But I wanted to kind of close those statistics out before we kind of dive in ourselves with one of the most important things that we read through all of those, every single one of those um, articles that I read address the strong black woman trope being the biggest downfall when it came to um, us black women prioritizing our mental health. Mm. So I know those are some really grim statistics, but I thought it was very important. I know we share a lot of our own personal experiences and things, but being that we're touching on something just so fragile, I wanted to kind of let you guys know that this is, we're coming at you guys with research. We're coming at you guys with real numbers. You know, these are medical professionals and, and, and researchers and scientists and, and, and things who are doing these studies. So this is, this is more than us. This is more than just our experience. This is the black, um, specifically female for, you know, what I researched. This is the black female experience. Mm. So I know that I know that was kind of heavy, but like, what what are we thinking, Caroline? What are we thinking after kind of what I just read? I didn't raise my hand. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm always gonna be like back to you. <laughs> um, because I I was very emotional when I was listening to that. Um, I I I hope that our listeners really sat with those statistics. Yeah. I had to sit with them. I had to really sit with them as I was reading each academic article. I had to take time in between because especially for me, I think the best place for us to start is kind of the kids. The yeah. kids got to me. Yeah. The five to, five to, to what was it? Five to 12 years old. They're more likely to commit. So five to 12. I have children in those eight, well, you know, one's about to turn four, but pretty much in those age gaps, my oldest is 11 and wow. Oh, wow. And then the, the statistics where it said um, over the last 20 years, suicide rates decreased for white children, yet increased for young black children. That speaks volumes, you know, that's not something we just made up. Those are those are numbers. Numbers don't lie. Um, 
I just want to say there'll probably be a lot of pauses <laughs> in this episode just for us to kind of yes we researched this we, we somewhat talked about this before we got on this podcast but having to digest this as a black mother and digest it as a black woman is very heavy um and this episode I will say for me specifically speaking as someone who is actually diagnosed with depression and anxiety this is it's heavy and I understand why black women aren't likely to come forward because I was one of those black women yeah me too I was one of those black I was ashamed because why why am I not able to carry it all why am I so weak you know why do I feel this way why why aren't I normal um for a long time I didn't take medication I actually you know now have kind of braved the next steps to taking antidepressants and it's changed my life and I'm grateful for it but for a long time I was so against it because I should be able to fix Mm. it myself like I fix everything else Mm. yeah yeah and um it just it's heavy to think that these young black children are thinking the same thing that I'm thinking as a 31 year old black woman And not only are they thinking the same thing that they should be able to fix it themselves, but they're succumbing to that because they can't fix it. And then they take their own lives. It's okay. You can, you can let it, let that out. You can let that out. It just makes me, I'm so filled with rage because it's the world. It's the world who told them that they weren't worthy of living. And that they didn't matter and their blackness wasn't beautiful. And it's also the world why some of them are in the poverty situations that they're in. That's putting the stress on them that they're they're in because of the, the lack of generational wealth and the the you know the redlining and things that happened and the loan discriminations and the business discriminations and all those things that piled up to create the chaos that the black community is dealing with right now has an effect on young children and I know when I read some of those statistics I was reading about children getting suspended and children going to jail and things and you're probably thinking like okay so what does that have to do with national suicide awareness it has everything to do with it yeah because you tell our children that they're bad instead of telling them that they're worthy of being something and you suspend them and you give them no resources and nowhere to go except for their shitty situations at home, excuse my language. And they don't know who to turn to because how can they turn to their mother when their mothers are trying to process the same thing they are? And their mothers are not feeling like they are they're feeling the same things that they're not allowed to be depressed that they have to be strong yeah and they're trying to be strong for their children too you know and right. also you know in this episode i know we'll touch a little bit about the black community because there's some toxic beliefs within the black community um surrounding mental health and yeah 
you know, a lot of times when our children, maybe not this, uh, not this generation so much, but like, you know, generations before us, a lot of times when the children would tell, you know, their elders, like, I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling depressed, because they don't, they didn't know what depression was, because they weren't given the space to grieve their trauma, their generational trauma, they did not know how to handle it. And so it was just, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. Pray it away. Pray, pray about it. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think about, and I grieve for how many lives have been lost because they've been told to pray about it. And prayer is powerful. I'm a, I'm a believer and Caroline's a believer. Prayer is so powerful, but prayer and prayer plus prayer in addition to come on yeah and I just I I I almost feel like I'm gonna be doing a disservice to everybody listening to this episode because I'm almost so lost like I'm lost for words because I'm so emotional I'm I'm not helping (laughs) I'm not helping because I'm sitting here just crying with you um and I'm not sure that this episode is necessary it's it's um this episode is not is not um it's it's I'm sorry um it's not answers no because that's not our it's yeah 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 and it's 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 the the, you're not alone it's it's um it's of course awareness um and I just it's kind of on my heart I just want to speak to the black woman today and I want to just let her know that your feelings are valid I want you to find validation in this and if you are struggling I don't know if it's the single mom listening to this or I don't know if it's the woman listening to this in a hopeless marriage or the woman who feels like she has everything and and still doesn't know what she's missing I don't know but every single one of those are valid and I want to let you know that you're so worthy and if you don't know what your purpose is there is purpose coming maybe you just don't know what it is yet and so I just want to encourage you because I know it's a privilege to be able to sit here and say go to therapy because yeah. we know that therapy costs money and we will do our best to you know link any free resources that we can find but it, it is a privilege and so I just want to encourage you I just want to urge you I just want to beg you to just hold on just a little bit longer until you can just see just the tiniest little shred of light in the darkness and I've I've been in that darkness I've been in that huddle I've thought I wasn't coming out of it and um, I haven't really shared that story with the world and I'm so guarded about that story because it's something I haven't really told outside of Caroline actually recently but I haven't really told anyone aside from you know my husband because he was there and and our pastor but I've been there I've been to the point where I thought that ending it was more was ending it was better for those around me to to just end the suffering to just end the the mood swings I was experiencing all the time and just I just wanted to be happy and I didn't see happiness and I can't tell you I can't tell you that I'm sitting here and I'm just a ball of sunshine but I'm so much hopeful 
And so if anything else, I just want to encourage you to find hope and to hold on to it very tightly and to chase it. And that if no one else loves you, if you're a believer, God loves you. If you're not a believer, God still loves you too. I'm still going to say it. God still loves you. We love you. Uh, we love Black women with a fierceness, like something I can't even explain. And I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm just so emotional. I'm, just, I'm, holding, I'm holding space for you. Um, and I'm so glad that you are sharing your heart and you've you've allowed me to have the space to to do the same because I outside of you when I tell you guys I have not cried until I met Siobhan and now all of a sudden I'm just a crier (laughs) um but I think it's it's what I it's what I've always needed and honestly probably what I've always always wanted because I think deep down when you are suffering you want you don't you don't want to be suffering but because you are suffering you you know that you need to cry you know that you need to grieve you know that you need to feel that and so much of for me the suicidal um so um okay here's my turn (laughs) um so when you read the statistic about um the ages until the age um, 12. Um, so for me, my my first suicidal thoughts were 11 and 12. So um, that is very, um, that's very real for me. And, and um, I was telling you just, you know, yesterday right. um, that once you, once you, it's, um, once you're there, you, you, you get better, but, but the, it's always, it's something that you kind of always deal with. I don't want to always working at always working, working through. Yes. Um, so, um, that it's, it's been a part of my life for a very long time. Um, and, um, one, the, the reason for me was because I, I didn't have a safe space to feel, um, and, and to work through my trauma. And, and I, I felt so, unworthy of existing I felt like I was such a mistake and that I I didn't belong here um so you know I but I I I I numbed I I was so numb and and I I I was so good at at pretending to be the happy the happy kid right the one that that poured herself into you know every possible school activity there was just to try to block out and pretend like I was okay and to put on a front like I was okay and and you know because I felt weak for not being okay but you know speaking about um the the toxicity that happens in the black community I mean when I when okay um it's okay okay that's what this is for the problem is there's never a chance to heal you know you're you're layering trauma on top of trauma and I go ahead so um I'm not sharing what I'm sharing to bash, ah, but um, when so I, I want to tread lightly because this is very delicate. But one of the ways that I 
dealt with my depression was in the form of self-harm. Um, so, um, when the self-harm was discussed, Okay. The problem, I mean, you don't get to talk about this. And that's where the deep hurt is coming from. Because it's almost like you're seeing it for the first time. Because you don't get to, you don't get don't, to let this out. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. Mm. And I'm telling the world on a podcast. <laughs> um and there's power in taking your story back. Remember that. Yeah. And this is your story. I, I feel like I have to say this because it, it's exactly, it's the segue into the harm that is done within the Black community hmm. that we love so much. Just, you can love something and you can also criticize it. Absolutely. Lovingly. Just right. FYI. Um, so when it was discovered that I was harming myself, I was met with, you are ungrateful. Mm. You, B-I-T-C-H. Um, oh I'm so sorry. When I turned to my journals and, and, and I was threatened to leave because if you don't like it, get out. Mm. When I, what I really needed was love and support and to say, it's okay. And, and we need you here. And, and there was a, a point in time where after all that had happened, it was, there was like a forced attempt at therapy, but yeah. not in a loving way. Right. It, it was, was like, a, like, you need this. Okay, just go. Like, whatever. I'll just do whatever. Whatever it takes to get you to stop this stuff. And, and I was also told that's, I was told that's white girl shit. It's sorry for, I no, feel but... bad for the cursing, um, especially if I know that some parents want. This is not an episode for kids. Um, But I, I was told that, you know, you, you must have got that from that white, from those white girls. And for those of you that don't know, I'm also adopted. So I would be told you must have got that from you know, you must have got that from her, which would have been a reference to my biological grandmother, who was technically my foster mother before I was adopted. Um, you, you didn't get, you surely didn't get that shit from my family. Like it, that, that's, that's what I was met with, which I'm sure is what so many of the black girls in those statistics are met with. Right. Because of this stupid false stigma that we have to be strong at all times and that mental health is, is an embarrassment. And I also think that, you know, something that we have to acknowledge, and this is not to take away from your pain at all, or the, you know, the person who calls you that pain, but us not addressing our racial trauma, our, our, our mothers, our fathers, are all of them. Our family members not being able to address their racial trauma traumatizes our children because then they don't have the understanding, they don't have the tools, they don't have the resources, they don't have any of that to understand mental health at any capacity. So in their minds, it does not exist. 
And for much of the Black community, it's almost like mental health is taboo. We don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. If you do take medication, you better keep that to yourself. Yeah. Pray about it. I mean, I was very nervous when I started to take um, antidepressants. I was very nervous about telling family members. And why? Because I just know that generations before us, even generations now, just have not been given those tools to um, handle us with the with with that frat the fragility that we need. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I know I notice a lot of us now are trying to break that generational um, trauma and 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 the repetition and do better with our kids, but still. We, we weren't given the tools. So we're trying to navigate how to find those tools, how to make ourselves better and heal ourselves while also trying not to damage children in the process. Yes. Yes. And that yes. is hard. God. That right there. Cause I'm so worried about that. I'm, right. I, I, it, it, it plagues me because I know that the majority of my mental health problems came from the, lack of nurturing and love mm. that I was so desperately craving, especially as an adopted child, which there are, the, there's a very large population of black children that are adopted as well. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other trauma in and of itself. And then of course there's, there's unofficial adoption that happens in the black community. It may not be an official adoption, you know, that you, you say with Instagram, your grandma, your but there's the unofficial yep. adoption. Right. Um, but it's still trauma. And when you're not equipped to, to deal with your own trauma, you're definitely not equipped to deal with the trauma that a child is experiencing. And so you just add on to that trauma. And that's exactly what happened with me. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't say this to speak ill of the woman who raised me because she did a great job raising me in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways she didn't. And she, you know, unfortunately is a lot, a lot of the reason why I struggled the way that I did. I, 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 on the outside, you would have thought I, I, I wasn't a black child that grew up in a a poverty situation. I'm not a black child that, that lived in, you know, an inner city, low-income area. I, yes, I had a single mother. Um, yes, our income wasn't super high because she was a school teacher. So you can already do that math right there. Um, you know, yes, my, my father was in my life, but my parents were divorced. Um, so yes, there's a couple of those things, but for the most part, you know, I was more of like a middle-class child. And so what I was told, even just recently, I was, I was trying to, to talk to a family member about the fact that this trauma is very real for me. And I was being shunned for talking about it and sharing it because how dare I, because I was given a great life and it's insulting Mm -hmm. to, to blame somebody who did their best to raise me. And it's, it's not, that's, it's that pride. It's that, it's that, um, that defensiveness as well, that gets in the way, which I understand where it's coming from, but we as a society in general have to get the defensiveness out of it. It's not about the defense. It's not about you. It's not right. it, it's because somebody's hurting in one way doesn't doesn't take away from everything else that you want to bring up. It's just not about that right now. And that's a big problem. I think regardless, I think that that spans across the color lines. I really do. That's that's oh, for honestly sure. a, a, a character of white supremacy and in, in, right. in, and it's universal. Right. So that that's a big problem right there. It's like we're not we're, we're you're centering yourself. You're not looking at the person who's hurting. 
it's not about the fact that I had clothes on my back and food on my table and, and I had access to a, a good school and I played tennis and I did all these things. I tweeted literally thinking about this episode and thinking about so much of what I have been through the last couple of days, just processing all of this leading up to this episode and other writing and things like that, that I'm doing. I tweeted, your physical needs are not substitutes for your mental and emotional needs. Mm, and that's, that's something that we think, oh, look, you've, you've, you check off the boxes. You got the new right. shoes. You got the school supplies. You got, got the food. food you got water. Table. You got all these things. Check, check, check. You should be good. That is not that. That ha- of course, those things are important. But your mental and emotional needs are just as important, and we have to treat mental health as as um, as urgently as we do when somebody is sick in their physical body. And I think. Um, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, that you had all of all of your needs met, like your physical needs met and and that you did not grow up like, you know, some of the statistics we read earlier, because I think that's also an important lesson, how we look at people. We think that depression looks a certain way, like depression where you're curled up in your bed, you're not eating or you're overeating or you're you're crying all the time. But depression is is soldiering through depression is getting up every single day with a smile on your face and playing with your kids. Depression is, you know, making love to your husband. Depression is, is going to work every day and doing all of the things there is functioning. You can be functioning normally to the, the, the human eye and still be very depressed. I know for me, that's, that is how it manifested itself. I was you know, I mean, I was, I was sad a lot at nighttime when I had alone time, but in the daytime I was, I was functioning. One of my friends would call and say, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for calling. How are you doing? But no one knew. And that's why they say to check on your strong friends, check on your strong friends. And, and strong, we use the word strong loosely because like I, you guys know by now that I, I despise the word, but check on your strong friends because the people who are putting on the smiles every day and, 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 going about life normally are they strong or do they just not want to lay burdens on you are they strong or are they just pretending are they strong or do they just not know how to feel the emotions and process the emotions that they need to feel there's no there should be no no such thing as strong we are all just doing the best we can and that's why it's just, it's so important to check in folks. It's so important to check in and, and to, and not to assume that just because someone has what, you know, I, I will go as far as to say social media has taught us is the picture perfect life does not mean that they are not struggling in the depths of their soul, because I've been there, the, you know, and then you feel even more guilty for struggling. You have a beautiful marriage. You have these beautiful, perfect babies. I know for me, my depression kind of started postpartum. And so I felt so guilty. I have these perfect, this perfect little boy and he's healthy. And, you know, aside from the fact that I just didn't enjoy breastfeeding, breastfeeding was going well. My, my oldest son was adapted adapting, um, you know, and his, his story is a story, um, that could be told at another time, but he was adapting well. Um, 
we had family here. We both of our moms came up to help us. I was healing well. All of the things are going okay. But deep down inside, I felt like a hurricane hit me. I did not know what was going on. I did not know. I kept saying, I cannot wait to feel normal again. I cannot wait to feel normal again. And then still I went to my appointment and when the OB said, are you having any baby blues or any, you know, harmful thoughts or anything? I said, no, I'm okay. Because that's what we do. We're okay. And in my mind, I truly believe that I would be okay because I was okay in every other big, terrible situation in my life. I had been okay. I had been okay. I I had healed myself. And so I knew I would heal myself this time too. So when a a medical professional is standing in my face and I'm telling him, yeah, no, I'm fine. But I was dying on the inside. And if it was not for my husband, I would not be here making this podcast today. And I just, I... (laughs) I wish I could grieve for myself, but even when I sit here, I just want to grieve for the other women that I know that are telling that their medical professionals that they're okay. They're telling their husbands they're okay. They're telling their friends they're okay. They're responding to the text as normal when their friends check in. They're getting up and they're going to work. I just, my heart grieves for them because I've been there. And I mean, time to time, sometimes I have to check in with myself and ask myself, am I okay? Or am I just performing? Black women, we've got to stop being performers. We've got to stop being performers. And I'm speaking to myself. I feel like I'm ministering to myself here too, but. You're allowed to grieve for both you and everyone else. And I find that so, that's something I struggle. I mean, you and I kind of talked about that, but I struggle so hard with doing. And I think, I mean, you, you kind of feel that too. Like you, you feels like, how dare I, you know, yeah. how dare I hold this space for myself when these other people need this, this, and this, like my, my home situation was very similar to yours. Like I wasn't wanting for anything. You know what I mean? Like it, we were, we were, we grew up in a great area, great schools, all of those things. And so I look at the children who aren't in those situations and I just think, how dare I, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy of, of grieving and feeling my pain because someone has it worse. And obviously that's trauma that I have to work through too, you know, with a therapist, that's trauma. And, um, you know, I'm not going to work it out obviously on this podcast or probably in the next year or so that's, that's going to take some time. But, you know, I think a lot of people probably struggle with the same thing. Yeah. I honestly feel like that in and of itself is one of the, the lies of that white supremacy has essentially taught us. Cause yeah. I mean, I was just explaining to you the conversation I had with my family member who was like, well, you know, you don't really know real trauma because I had it way worse than you did. Like it's that right. dismissing, like, no, right. your hard is still grateful hard, for the, even if somebody what you else got. is right. That grateful for what you got, always focus on the good part, the toxic positivity, you know, you can't ever just grieve and feel sad because somebody else has it worse than you and always focus on gratitude. Gratitude is great. Don't get me wrong. For sure. But it can yeah. also turn into toxic positivity. Mm. It can also take you away from the fact that you do need to grieve for yourself and you do need to feel, you know, and because and fi- it's, it's telling you that you are not worthy of your own grief. Mm. 
and you are worthy. Worthy. (laughs) You are worthy of your own grief. You are worthy of your own grief. You are worthy to feel. That's something we need to literally put on a sticker somewhere (laughs) and put it on every Black woman's mirror. You are worthy of your own grief. That's good. And everyone, 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 everyone. it's not just black women. Right, right. It is, it is all of us. We live in a society that tells us we're not worthy of our own grief, especially in the Christian community. Slap it up, be positive, always throw a scripture on it and act like you're just so, you're so, you know, yes, you're sad, but, 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 but how about we get rid of the butts? Right. I'm just sad. Because when Jesus, because Jesus wept, period. It's the scripture. It didn't say Jesus wept, but he knew he was Lazarus was coming back. He said Jesus wept. And 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 period. I'm sorry, period. No, no and no but no or no nothing. And I think conjunction. That that right there, if Jesus can weep, I if Jesus can weep, I know I can cry. I know I should be allowed to cry. The thing is, he gave us the, Jesus gave us the blueprint. And the blueprint is a man that wept openly. Hmm. That grieved openly. And here we are walking around with this lump in our throat because we, we're going to carry we've... it all. <laughs> we're going to carry it all. Right. We don't weep openly. Yeah, that's, that's heavy. If we would just be a society, and it, biblically, people wept openly. Hmm. Yeah, we all we all over here acting like we have to be strong for what? That's fake. It's not strength. Because when I tell you right now, when you talking about, are you just are you okay? But are you performing? Oh, I'm performing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm performing because as soon as I get alone, I feel like the weight of the world is crushing me. And I wanted that alone time. Yeah. I, need I, I crave that alone time and I'm finally letting myself start to process things that alone time, but it's also waking me up to real, to realizing like, I'm not okay. Oh, for sure. And I think sometimes we have to realize that we, we know what we have to do. That doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think when I was talking to you earlier, I mentioned the opening up and the healing process. And and I described it as devastatingly beautiful because they're just two very opposite words. And it's devastating to be, to heal, to truly heal. I'm not talking about like that super superficial. Oh, I lit some candles and took a bubble bath type self-care business, which I think that's great. If that's your method of self-care, I just mean that for me, it's self-care and okay. Self-care and self-care in the, in the inner work. Um, so the inner work is self-care. It, yeah, exactly. It is self-care. And I think we have to acknowledge that self-care does not always feel good. Self-care isn't always the the nice things and, and the and the cup of coffee alone. Sometimes self-care is weeping and 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 crying out uh, you know, to to Jesus if you're a believer. And sometimes self-care is therapy. trying to find right, trying to find room in your budget for therapy. You know, we didn't even Ooh, that's a whole nother thing about accessible mental health yes. care. I, I don't even have like the statistics or anything in front of me to talk about. And, and I don't even feel knowledgeable enough to talk about, but we need accessible mental health care for one. Um, yes. But sometimes self-care looks like that. 
you know, self-care is telling your significant other or your friend, no, I'm not okay. I need help. You know, self-care is realizing that you have um, self-harming thoughts and saying out loud to someone, I'm having thoughts of self-harm, help me. You know, self-care is having to dig yourself out when you're, when those self-harm thoughts are coming back and they're starting to grab onto you again. Self-care is all of those things and none of those things feel good. And so I think that we almost have to kind of get a hold back on what self-care is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because we tell black women all the time, you know, women in general, everybody, I think, you know, this is one of those episodes. Yes, we are a platform to center black women's voices, but when it comes to something as deep and as devastating as um, suicide, I think there's no possible way we could, you know, we, we talked about statistics, but there's still no possible way we could ever exclude someone because there's space here for every single listener to feel validated because we want you to know, um, you know, that you belong and you have purpose and, and that we're here. And even if it's just that you're playing this over and over again and crying because you feel heard, you know, that that's self-care too. Can I also just add? Um, and I know it's hard in the day and age that we live with COVID and, you know, with friendships that are far away. Um, but when your friend, when, first of all, like you said, check on your strong friends Mm. and, um, and even if that strong friend says that they're okay, call them, Mm. FaceTime them, go to their house. When you feel it. And just go, just go. Cause I would love if someone would come sit with me when I tell you, man, I would love that if someone would be able to come and say, I just wanted to come sit with you. And you don't have to have the words to say. It's honestly just being there for me. It's like, yes, just be there. Just give existing. me space. Give sit on the couch space. next to me. Yes. We can, we don't even have to touch. <laughs> it's, it's, it's honestly, I would be in a much better place if I hadn't gone through all of my trauma alone. But I've gotten, even though my, when my father died, my husband, who is my boyfriend at the time was there, he was, he was there, but he wasn't, he, he was, he was there, but I, I don't want to dismiss that. He was, he was, right. he was there and he was also working and everything else. And we weren't married, um, but he was 100% there, um, but he was the only one. Right. Right. I did not have a friend come and sit with me I had texts right I even had a few phone calls but I did not have one friend come over and bring me food I didn't have one friend come over and say I just want to sit here and the the hard part is we we act like trauma and grief lasts for two weeks and then everyone moves on with their lives yeah check on the person who lost someone five six seven eight nine ten years ago 20 Mm. years ago because guess what it still hurts it still hurts that's why in my bedroom right now, I have, I, I had to, in a moment of desperation, go get all the pictures of my father out and just lay them out and lay on top of them. And it's been seven years. Jesus. No, grief definitely does not have a, a time limit to it. We know this is a heavy episode. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably the heaviest knock on wood for a while. 
that we won't record. <laughs> you never know, <laughs> but but for a while, we hope. But we we also hope that it is one that um, has blessed you and has held space for you, has made you feel seen, has made you feel heard, has made you feel loved, has made you really just affirm that it is okay not to be okay. You do not have to hold it in. You do not have to be strong anymore. You are worth holding on to. You are worthy of your grief. Yes. You're worthy of all of that. Well, (laughs) I know that was a long pause, but I feel like I was just (laughs) taking all of that in. I felt like you were speaking specifically to me. So I was. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you guys also felt that because I forgot I was recording for a second. But um, no, I just I'm so thankful for this space that we get to have for each other but also create for you guys and create for the one the one there might not be but one person who needs to hear this but as long as it reaches that one person I'm so thankful and so um you know we just we we hope you guys have a a wonderful week take care of yourselves remember that self-care sometimes is the hard stuff and we will talk to you next week Thank you for listening to the Black Girl Voices podcast. If you loved today's episode, we would love it for you to leave us a five-star review. If you would like to support our work, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash blackgirlvoices or head to our show notes for the link. Lastly, we would love to hear from you. Come follow us on Instagram at blackgirlvoices and say hello. Remember, you are heard, you are seen, and you are loved. Your voice matters. You matter. See you next time.